A Bible reading for today comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. And you remember last week that we had Pastor Kerber here who gave us an insight or taught us a little bit about how to dwell in the Word. So again today, I'm just going to read this out a little bit more slowly so that we can let the Holy Spirit, or we can just make room for him to talk to us, to teach us about what this word is saying. So Paul writes to Timothy, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was anointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us through your word. Touch our lives, strengthen our faith, equip us for every kind of service and keep us focused on our core purpose. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you think back two or three years, most of us had probably become very busy. And then March 2020 hit us and everything changed, didn't it? Ruth and I just got back from three weeks holiday in New Zealand on the 3rd of March. Within a few days, we were into lockdowns and restrictions. We learnt new terms like social distancing, right? We discovered that masks were something that we had to wear on the few occasions when we were allowed to leave the house. And suddenly, 
we were a lot less busy. But then we also became busy with many other things. The church had also been busy running many programs, doing much good work. And then again, everything changed. As a friend and colleague, Brett Kennett in Victoria said, the churches in our districts have moved a decade and a week. Even those churches that prided themselves on never changing, changed. One of the blessings I think that God brought to us through that plague or through this plague, it's not in the past tense yet of course, was the ability to step back and take stock and ask what are we really all about? Or if you like, what is our core business? Over the centuries the church had become busy with many, many things. Overwhelmingly, they're good things. They're things that bless people and that honour God. We worship and we teach. We counsel and provide support to people who need it. We feed the hungry and clothe the poor. We're advocates for those who are, in one way or another, facing injustice. We try to influence public opinion towards healthy morals and practices. We run schools and aged care establishments and many, many other things. We as the church have got very busy, have we not? But in the midst of all that, it's also good to pause and say, well, what really is our core business? So let's go back to our text. Okay. Ah. Let's go back to our text and and see what Paul tells us there. He says, this is right and is acceptable in the sight of our Saviour, who desires that everyone is to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then Paul says, for this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. And in his first letter, Peter says, always be ready to make your defence to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Paul also elaborates on this in his letter to the Corinthians. For though I am free with respect to all, says Paul, I have made myself a slave to all so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law but I am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that I might by all means win some. Paul's core purpose is pretty clear here, isn't it? Paul's central concern is is crystal clear. His desire is that he not be the only one 
who has come to know the good news that is Jesus Christ, but that he might help others also to meet this Jesus. Now, of course, there are many other things that we need to do. Don't misunderstand me here. We worship, indeed, everything we do in life is to be part of our worship to God. We love our neighbour as ourselves. We love and serve God in many ways. And I don't want to overstate this in such a way that I give you the impression that the only thing that matters is that we give an account for the hope that we have. That isn't the case. But it is our core business. It's the key reason why God has left us on the planet. I mean, otherwise, why wouldn't God just take us to heaven as soon as we come to faith? Why would we... Why would we still be here? Why would he leave us here? Well, there are many reasons for that, I think. But one of the key things is so that others may also hear the good news, so that we might be able to share this good news with others. St. Francis of Assisi is often quoted as saying, preach always, use words if necessary. There's actually no real evidence that he ever said that, (laughs) right? But he gets credited with saying that. Always preach, always share, always preach in everything you do. And if you need to, maybe you could use words. It's often said by people who think that really the only thing that matters is a good life that gives a witness to Jesus by what we do. And let's be clear again, doing the right thing, loving our neighbour as ourselves, and in that way also loving and serving God, is something that we need to be doing. It is an important, indeed an essential part of our witness. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But is it sufficient? As I've heard this quoted over the years, often it's been somebody who really never wants to use words. Right? (laughs) In other words, well, my life is my witness, so I don't actually have to explain anything. But of course, such a life is ambiguous. As people watch it, they may simply say, well, she's a good person, rather than we have a great God. It's only our words that make sense of it. And Paul in our text describes himself as a herald, and a herald is somebody who proclaim something, somebody who says something. We have a great and loving God, but people will never know unless we open our mouths to tell them. We live in somewhat strange times. Oops, too many clicks. We live in somewhat strange times. I guess it's always been the case that there have been people out there outside the Christian church who have believed and said that evangelism, that sharing the faith is somehow in bad taste or even inappropriate. That's been the case since the time of the apostles. However, today it's also true that there are some people who have faith in Jesus and his promises, many more who may be also feel just a little bit uncomfortable, but some people who have faith and who really believe 
that somehow sharing the faith with others is not something we ought to do. We ought to leave them to their own devices. It's not for us to say anything to anybody. Many more, as I said, are also a little bit uncomfortable with the idea and therefore it's not something that they would readily do. Now, I guess we need to acknowledge that many of the ways that Christians have shared their faith in the past have been unethical. Some use sort of, you know, the bait-and-switch type idea. You hook somebody with something and then you switch them to something else. For example, you know, I have this little survey I'd like you to help me with. Uh, you know, can you answer a few questions for me? And then along the way, the idea is really to be able to tell them about Jesus. Uh, that's perhaps not the best. Others use kind of psychological manipulation. Others, it has just not been a proper and respectful kind of approach. You know, the sort of canned speech or where you try to trap somebody into uh, following uh, a particular line of questioning and thoughts and responses uh, to lead, you know, for spiritual laws type stuff. Uh, which again... Let's be clear, people have come to faith that way, but I don't know if that's really the best and the most appropriate way. That's too big a question for us this morning, uh, and I just want to make the point that sharing our faith with others, giving a reason for the hope that we have, being a herald of what God has done in the world through Jesus Christ, his son, is something that's appropriate as Luther reputedly again described it, and, and I think if he didn't say it, he should have, right? It's just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread, right? One beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. It's not manipulative or whatever else. As I said before, we Christians do many good things, and in doing that, we follow a well-trodden path that those who have walked in the faith before us all the way back to Jesus and the apostles have actually also done. Even in the first few centuries when there was often opposition and sometimes persecution, the early disciples acted on their beliefs. Sorry. And we know quite a lot about that time and about the Roman Empire because the Romans and the Greeks of that time wrote everything down. We know, for example, that they practiced infanticide. In other words, they just left unwanted newborns out to die or worse, to be attacked by wild animals. It's interesting, and that's particularly applied to girls, of course. Sorry about that but it did in those days. It's interesting that the New Testament says nothing about the practice, doesn't oppose it in any way. But we know that the early Christians had a practice of where they found such exposed infants, of bringing them home and raising them as their own children. What a witness is that? They acted on their beliefs. Again, the Jews and the Christians of that era had a reputation for looking after not only their own but also other people. And that's in an age where there was no social welfare and no safety net for people. Christians were known for caring for others and for looking after them. 
Slavery in those days, of course, was often seen simply as a way things had been and always had been since the beginning of time, and that's true. Slavery was also seen as an economic necessity, right? The whole economic system of the empire would collapse uh, if there wasn't slaves. And again, interestingly, the New Testament doesn't condemn slavery. It doesn't set about as its core business to get rid of slavery. But we know that even in early times, wealthy Christians would make a practice of buying the freedom of slaves and setting them free. Again, Christians were acting on their belief. Women in Roman times were treated pretty much as second-class citizens with a lot less rights. But the Christians saw them as of equal value to men, the same dignity and the same rights. So why did the early Christians take these views? Because they believed that every human being was created in the image of God. Right? Using just one example here, but they believed that every human being was created in the image of God and therefore had equal value. Paul summed it up rather nicely in Galatians 3 when he said there's no longer Jew or Greek. That's racism. There is no longer slave or free, slavery, and there is no longer male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And so Christians have acted in line with their beliefs against racism and slavery. And we know, of course, that Christians were at the forefront of abolishing the slave trade uh, out of Europe uh, and in the Americas. Doesn't mean that slavery has ended, by the way, but again, that's a whole other story. There are millions and millions of people in the world today who are slaves. Christians have been at the forefront of that. Some places we still seem to be working on the male and female bit, uh, but I'm not going to go there either. Why do Christians do these things? They're good things, and they're consistent with God's promises. They're consistent with who we are as the people of God in the world. Down through the centuries, they've also given credibility to the Christian witness. Christians act in accordance with their beliefs. They don't just try to impose Christian ethics and behaviours on others. Our core business then is not making the world a better place, but that is a byproduct of who and whose we are. We're not here simply to improve the lot of the world, we're here to bring good news, to be heralds of another kingdom, to be those who share with others who are equally as frail and vulnerable as we are, where life is to be found. The interesting thing is that as we do that, as we focus on our core business, the other blessings flow out from that. 
Sadly, too often, when we focus on making the world a better place, bringing Jesus to others often gets lost in the process. So I'd encourage you to focus on that core business of sharing life with those of our world. Let me read to you again part of our text. Paul says, This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Jesus Christ, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, open our eyes to see the opportunities you give us to bring Jesus into our conversations, to bring Jesus and his love into the lives of others. Lord, give us the confidence, give us the courage that we may speak when the time is right in a way that is loving and caring and grows out of listening, but also in a way that does give testimony to what you have done through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.